This morning, I am so pleased and privileged to be standing in front of you and to have a Bible study with you, a short Bible study. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 3, the apostles asked the Lord Jesus a question. And being Adventists, you are familiar with Matthew 24 because this talks about the answer to the questions of the disciples in verse 3. And we read, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The questions of the disciples falls into two categories, the when and the what. When refers to the timing, and the what refers to the signs that will happen prior to those timings, which is the end of the age and the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So basically, this is the concern of the disciples. When will these things be? And going through the answer of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on the same chapter, you will see that He has responded to the question, when will these things be? And those are found in verse 36, verse 42, and also in verse 44. And we will be skimming through those passages. He said, but of the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. In verse 42, what's therefore, he said, for you do not know what are your Lord is coming. In verse 44, therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So the Lord Jesus Christ answers the question of the disciples regarding the matter of time. When will these things be? And it is very clear. He said, well, it is not for you to know the hour of His coming or the time. In fact, when He was resurrected in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, when He was about to go back to heaven and ascend, the disciples still asked Him the same question. Therefore, the Bible reported in Acts 1, 6 and 7, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. So Jesus Christ is very clear regarding the concern of human beings. You know, us being Adventists, and I am a converted Adventist, and there are several pockets of Adventists who seem to be on the extreme and who would want to set the timings and steer the church and encourage the church, telling, oh, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming in such and such a time. Being human beings, we always ask that question, are we there yet? Is COVID the thing that we are awaiting? Is this it? Is this it? Will it take a little longer? Will this be the last pope or something like that? We are always concerned of the time. And here in NASDAQ, I have been your interim pastor for two years. I know that... I should not exceed past 12 in the afternoon. <laughs> we care about time. 
And rightly so, being human being who has but limited time in our lives. And so the concern of time, Jesus Christ said, it is not for you. Regarding the concern of the signs is also another human question. In verse 3, the second part of the question of the disciples was, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus Christ again graciously answered the question of the disciples regarding the signs of His coming and regarding the end of the age. He answered in verses 6 and 7 up to verse 30 that there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines and pestilences. There will be earthquakes such as never happened before. There will be tribulations so painful that no human being has gone through it before. There will be uh, the, gro the growing cold of love in verse 12. And then the gospel will be preached into all the world. In verse 29, there is this universal science that uh, uh, con con contains the whole universe regarding the darkening of the sun. The moon will not be giving light. This becomes universal again in nature. And the verse 29 also uh, declares that stars will be falling and in verse 30, finally, after all these things has happened, the Son of Man will return. And Adventists, you are familiar with this again. And Jesus has graciously answered our concern. Lord, when will these things be? Answer, not for you. Lord, what will be the sign of your coming? Ah, there are, these are the signs. These are the landmarks that you should be looking for so that you will know that the Son of Man will be coming soon. At the end of Jesus Christ answering the questions of the disciples, He concluded the discourse in verse 44. He said, therefore, you know when you see the word therefore, it's like finally, finally, in conclusion, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be ready is the conclusion given by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sort of an admonition to everyone who will be reading the discussion. And so we ask the question, Lord, wait a minute. You haven't told us how to be ready. Well, in the previous verses, Jesus Christ was trying to answer the questions of the disciples. Now it's time for Jesus Christ to answer, to ask a question. First, we heard and we listened to the concern of us human beings and our concerns regarding time and regarding the signs of the times has been dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you will ask God, if you will ask Jesus, Lord, what are we supposed to know regarding the last days? What are we supposed to be knowledgeable about prior to your soon return? How does the church should look like before you come? What are we supposed to be doing as we wait for your soon return? That is in the heart of Jesus. This is the concern of Jesus in the last days. And so, He now posed a question to us. That is in verse 45. He said, Who, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Well, the question of human being is the when and the what. But the question of Jesus Christ regarding the last day is this. Who? Who? Who what? 
who is wise and faithful servant in the last days. And when you try to summarize chapter 24 and chapter 25, chapter 24 talks about the signs you will be seeing in the world, and chapter 25 are the signs you will be seeing and expecting inside the church, a description of Jesus Christ on what does the church looks like in the last days. Or another question is, how are we supposed to look like as a church in the last days? To answer his question, who then is a faithful and wise servant, Jesus Christ narrated four stories to describe who are the wise and faithful servants in the last days. Besides, that's what we really wanted to know, right? Besides the signs, the darkening of the suns, the falling of the stars, the earthquakes, the famines and the wars, we also would like to know, Lord, regarding myself, putting aside the stars, the earthquakes and the wars and the famines, I could not do anything about it. But myself, as I await for your second coming, how should I look like? What am I gonna supposed to be doing while waiting for your soon return? So he narrated four stories. There are two kinds of servants in Matthew 24, verses 46 to 51. And going through Matthew 25, there are ten virgins. And then uh, in 25, 14 to 30, there are the, the narration of the five talents, the two talents and the one talent, and the sheep and the goats finally at the end of chapter 25. We will be skimming through this. We, we will not be going into detail, but just to give you some idea of what does it contains. These four stories are all in the context of waiting. The bridegroom was away, and the, the virgins, the brides, are awaiting for the coming of the bridegroom. The boss went out for a journey, uh, for a business trip, and the servants are waiting at home. What are they doing? And then there's this uh, business owner who entrusted uh, talents to his servants, and what are they doing with those talents? And finally, as if the veil was lifted, it becomes finally clear that the, 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 the last story regarding the sheep and the goats, it is the king who is coming. The veil was taken away. It was made clear. It is not just the journey of the bridegroom or the business owner who is uh, supposed to be returning but is delaying, but it is indeed the coming of Jesus Christ when he returns in glory. All of this has the context of last days. What will be the activities of the church members in the last days, both contrasting those who are good and those who are bad, those who are faithful and unfaithful, those who are wise and those who are so stupid, they don't know what to do while waiting for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All in the context of last days, all these four narratives are also in the context of judgment. You may notice that in each and every story, like uh, the first story, the, 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 the evil servant was thrown outside into the dark. And uh, on the case of the ten virgins, the five foolish virgins were left outside, banging on the door, unable to come in into the festivities of the groom. In the context of the five talents, two talents and the one talent, the, the, the other one who was lazy and who has buried this talent was condemned by his master. And finally, in the context of the sheep and the goats, the Bible says that they were also condemned, the goats, while the sheep are affirmed and brought by their master together with him in glory. All of this also contains the context of lifestyle prior to second coming. How are, we, how are we supposed to be living when we see all these signs? How are we supposed to be church, an SDAC, 
as we await for the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, these are hard facts. These are hard truths. This may not be easy to bear or easy to, to, to accept, but this is what the Bible says. Let's go to it one by one. And let me highlight to you just the simple points as we are mindful of our time. Matthew 24, 48. The Bible reported that the owner, the master, went for a trip and a journey. And then the Bible says that there are servants that are left inside the household. And the question was posed, who then is faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. Notice the description in the verse, my dear brothers and sisters. The servant just says in his heart. He was not vocalizing his doubt and he was not verbalizing his conclusion that, hey, hey long time ready, hasn't uh, come. Uh. He was not verbalizing it, but in his heart, he was saying, ayo, late ready. Uh. How come hasn't come? Uh. 2021 ready, long time ago. He hasn't come. And because of that conclusion in his heart, it affects his actions. He might not say it, but his actions were being affected by his conclusion in his mind. And so he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. And so now we are looking for who then is faithful and wise servant. Remember that this servant who became drunkard and who started to beat his fellow servants are still in the household of the master. He has not backslided. He still attended the Sabbath. He still show up for worship, sign up during the online divine service. He's there. It's just that in his heart, he said, I, uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Long time ready. Must do something else. Must go somewhere else. This servant is being condemned in the story as the unwise servant. Unwise because, ayah, wasted la. He's already there, but he has not given himself to it. He was present. He was there, but not really there. He was, he, was, he was present, but he was mentally absent, spiritually absent, so to speak, my dear brothers and sisters. There was a research conducted by Barna, published in 2013, regarding backsliding. And this is basically according to the, the surveys, the study, how backsliding goes. First, private prayer is the first to go. Number two is the lack of appetite for Bible study comes next. Number three, witnessing becomes seasonal. Number four, personal standards begin to erode. There is the mixture of the word and the world. Number five, church gathering loses significance. Come and go, never mind. Number six, church attendance becomes irregular. And then, number seven, there are this, this, the mixed values. You still value spirituality, but at the same time, you are drawn into worldliness at the same time. And then, this is what happens regarding our first narrative. You become inside backslider. You are still seated in the church, but you know you are rotten. You are just dry bone. You just can't pray. 
You just can't sing. You sing and there's just sound, but you know that the heart is disconnected from the voice. And you're just sitting there. And you are inside backslider. Finally, when there is the last road that will break the camel's back, you will openly declare your rebellion against God and you will become later on an open backslider. So that's the first narrative. So when we will be looking on the question of Jesus Christ, who then is faithful and wise servant? Well, uh, this is just my conclusion out of the narrative. The wise and faithful servant is the servant who is serving while waiting. That is wise. Serving while waiting. I do not have the time to expound to you that the serving happens inside the household of God. Serving inside the church. Making use of your talents. Because later on when we go to another story regarding the, the five talents, it appears that they go out. But it appears that the wise servant serves the church. Serves the ministries of the church. Either they are PA, either they are doing something else. They are in the department. They are, they are shaking hands or probably they are say, saying hi. They, but they do something for the church. They help the church. Serving while waiting. And then you know the story next, right? And we have a children's song for it. There were ten virgins when the bridegroom came. There were ten virgins when the bridegroom came. There were ten virgins, there were ten virgins, there were ten virgins when the bridegroom came. The five were foolish when the bridegroom came. The five were foolish when the bridegroom came. The five were foolish, the five were foolish. The five were foolish when the bridegroom came. Now we ask the question, what makes the wise wise and what makes the foolish foolish? Well, the Bible has the answer. The Bible says, you notice that this is a strategic literary structure in the Bible, whereby Jesus Christ posed the question, who then is the wise and faithful servant? And in all the narrative, you will see the word wise and faithful servant to answer the question of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We call that in biblical studies, literary structure, whereby the one that we are looking for the question and the narrative that follows answers all the questions with the same word that has been posed. And so, here in Matthew 25, 1-13, we see that several times the word wise was mentioned. And that's the only time that we are looking for this, right? In verse 2, now five of them were wise, describing the half of the virgins. In verse 4, but the wise took all in their vessels with their lamps. In verse 8, and the foolish said to the wise, and in verse 9, but the wise answered, saying no. Again, we will just be skimming through the story, trying to find what makes them wise. Look at the similarities. They are in the same place, probably the church. They are having the same expectation, the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are all Adventists. They are all wearing the, the wedding dress. They all have the oil, sons that the other group, which is the foolish, does not have the reserved oil. They all went to sleep. They all went to slumber, the foolish and the wise. And so they have the same experiences. But the similarity stops right there. Now, the difference is that on their matter of preparations. Notice the verse in verse 10. As the wise are being described, and there are many ways you can look at this. And while they went to buy, referring to the foolish who awoken 
that suddenly they realized that they don't have enough oil. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, you notice earlier, Jesus Christ declared in Matthew 24, 45, Therefore ye be ready. It appears that they are the ones who are ready. The bridegroom came and those who were ready, who are the, the ones who are ready? The ones who has the reserved oil. Went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, we know that we need the oil. And in theology, you have come to realize that the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And now, the question on the narrative is not just having the Holy Spirit, but having the extra of the Holy Spirit. Because they all have, apparently, the Holy Spirit as it being represented by the oil. But the problem of the police is that when the going gets tough, when the waiting gets longer, they don't have extra. And so, how to have extra of the Holy Spirit? In John 3, 5, the Bible says, in Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. We know that we are being born by water and spirit through baptism, right? By water, we know when Pastor James or probably myself would immerse you under the water, that's water. But how are we born by the spirit? Because that's what we are looking for, and we need extra of that spirit. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. So we are both born by the water, and water, we are familiar, but by the Spirit, how are we born by the Spirit? Through the living and enduring Word of God. Another verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. My dear brothers and sisters, if you and I will have an extra spirit, if you and I will have that extra to get us through the long time of waiting, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be founded, grounded, and filled by the Word of God. Now, you, you just can like brush this aside, but without the Word of God filling your life, when the waiting gets longer, you will be found empty and unable to sustain your journey. And so, let's briefly describe that as the, the faithful and wise here are those who are shining while waiting. Shining while waiting. They are burning while waiting, while the other foolish uh, virgins are actually burnt out while waiting. They have nothing else to talk about, to say about, because they are not grounded by the Word of God, which enables us to receive fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Moving on, my dear brothers and sisters, is the story regarding the talents, the 501. The talent was the heaviest or largest biblical unit or measurement for weight, equal to about 75 pounds or 35 kilograms. So when the person was given five talents, two talents, and one talent, that's a huge amount of silver actually for business. It's just like a huge startup for them to go about. When you go through the narrative, again, you will be able to see what we are looking for. Like who then is the faithful and wise servant, right? And repeatedly in the narrative, the word faithful is repeated several times. For instance, uh, that's verse 20, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 21, you were faithful over a few things. Uh, verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant regarding the one who has two talents and uh, did business with it. And in verse 23, you have been faithful over a few things. That's the one we are looking for, right? 
who then is faithful and wise servant in the last days. The other guy, apparently the one who were just given once, buried his treasure underneath. Uh, Ellen White commented on this in Christ's Object Lesson, page 3 to 9. The question that most concerns us is not, how much have I received? But what am I doing with that which I have? The development of all our powers is the first duty we owe to God and to our fellow men. No one who is not growing daily in capability and usefulness is fulfilling the purpose of life. doesn't really matter how much you have today. The question is, what do you do with that much that you have? I praise the Lord for our young people who are leading in the song service. I praise the Lord for our PA team. I praise the Lord for many of you who are doing ministries in the background. But the rest of us needs to ponder upon this question. What do we do with the little and simple things that the Lord has entrusted us? We will be soon be made to account with all those things that has been entrusted to us. And just this morning, my devotional is, those who have been entrusted much will be required much more. And so, if we will answer the question, who then is a faithful and wise servant from that narrative, those who are working while waiting, those who are filling their time, expanding the kingdom of God, and making sure that the kingdom of God is growing and has not stopped by them accepting it. You know, I, I had this experience while I was in the Philippines, a district pastor in Manila. This is a, a, an old lady whom we started to give Bible study. When we visited their homes, the first thing that he did was to throw to us the, the, the one that you used to sweep the floor, right? The broom. Throw to us the broom. Doesn't want to accept us inside the house. So we are like, hey, run away. Why, why are you throwing the broom to us? The next day, we knock again on the door. And, you know, he has the, not, not the broom this time, but uh, she was cooking. And so the, 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 the one, the, a big spoon that he was using for cooking, she, she started to throw at us. We ran again. The next day, we were there again. Luckily, uh, the one inside the house was the husband, and the husband was kind. And so he let us in. And uh, when, when she finally comes from the market, she was so surprised we are already inside the house. And, you know, we are worried because she has lots of vegetables. She's going to throw this again to us. And we're like... Uh, she was so angry, but the husband, again, is very nice, so he calmed the, the wife. Make the long story short, they were both baptized in the year 2000. The, 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 one of the son right there, who is getting married, uh, is a drunkard, is a Marine, studying to become a Philippine Marine. He always drinks, and he refused our Bible studies, and he will make sure that he will be so drunk so that Every time we come for Bible study, he will be like dead or dying, or he will not be able to listen to our Bible studies. So what we do is to come to his house very early in the morning, like 4 or 5 in the morning when he has not drunk the beer yet. And so, yeah, we, we found him sober. After so many refusal and so many hide and seek, he has finally decided to accept also the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. When we go through one of the provinces to preach, because I conducted an evangelism in their place in Taguig, in Metro Manila, he said, can I come with you? Can I go? He said, no, you ju you're just baptized. You better, you know, do the preaching and evangelizing here in your place. He said, no, if I stay here with all my drunkard friends, with all my drug addict friends, you know, it will only take by one or two days, I'll be going back to drinking and to my shabu. Okay, you better come with us. So, 
he came with us in preaching in Mindoro and also in Rumblon. And after that, he said, can I go with you to AUP? I was on my fourth year in, uh, in uh, my theology uh, studies. He said, what will you do to AUP? You're studying in Manila, uh, wanting to be a Marine. I think I want to be a pastor, he said. Okay, come. <laughs> he come to AUP. You'll be a pastor there. Make the long story short, he came with us to AUP, former drunkard, drug addict, and then he studied theology. I graduated ahead of him because I was on the senior years by then. And then when I, when I was assigned on my first district in Tarlac, by then he, he graduated. And I invited him, hey, come over to my district and be my church pastor. I introduced him to my district. This is the former drunkard. Be better good with him, all right? Or else, because he keeps punching people in his place in Manila, say, you be very good with him, very nice with him, no? This, this guy is a drunkard and a drug addict. And so he was married in my district. I married him in my district. Later on, when I was already assigned here, he was ordained as a minister, and he has been preaching the gospel ever since. has baptized thousands of people already. Right now, he's the area chairman of two provinces, Pampanga and Tarlac, two big provinces in the northern part of Luzon. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm so glad that the gospel has not stopped on him. But he expanded the kingdom of God, my dear brothers and sisters. He decided to work while waiting for that blessed hope. And you know, the last story regarding the sheep and the goats, and you're familiar with that, right? Finally, the bail was taken away because the Bible described it as not the one who is a business owner who departed and is being awaited for the, by the servants to return. Finally, the, the, the bail was taken away and it was made clear, the Son of Man will be coming in His glory. And all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another. A shepherd uh, divides his sheep from the goats. Now we ask the question, what makes the goat goats? And what makes the sheep sheep? Apparently, the sheep are on the right and the goats are on the left. Well, for once, they both smell the same. And uh, when they are actually uh, on your plate, you cannot basically identify this sheep or goat, mutton or what. But the Lord knows who are His. And when He comes, there will be a division. I just made a summary of the conversation from verse 31 to verse 46. And you will see one thing that is being repeated over and over again to summarize the whole narrative, my dear brothers and sisters. First, in verses 35 to 26 are the, the speech of the king to the righteous. And then in verse 37, the answer of the righteous, just one verse. And in verse 41 to 43, the speech of the king to the unrighteous. And there is also one verse uh, in the answer of the unrighteous. And they answered, Lord... When did we see you hungry, naked, in prison? When did we see you sick and did not minister to you? Apparently, the sheep were sheep because when Jesus was hungry, he was given food by the sheep. When Jesus Christ was thirsty, he was given drink by the sheep. When he was a stranger, he was given a place to, to sleep and to stay. When he was naked, the sheep has given him clothes. When he was sick, the sheep has visited him. When he was in prison, the sheep came to him and visited him. And well, the righteous never knew that it was Jesus to whom they are doing all those ministries. 
And even the unrighteous doesn't know. Lord, Lord, if we only knew that it was you, Jesus, for sure will do something. For sure will allow you to sleep in our condo. For sure, Lord, will will buy you probably. Will will bring you to Marina Bay and uh, bring you to those Michelin's five-star restaurant. If we only knew that it was you, Jesus, how come we didn't know, Lord? Lord, when was this? That you were hungry and naked. That you were sick. And we did not minister to you. He replied, in as much as you did it to one of the latest of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Individual effort, personal sacrifice is the requirement of the gospel. This cannot be left, uh, this cannot be done by proxy. This cannot be left to, to committees. <laughs> oh, you do this, okay? I'll just give money. Individual effort. Personal sacrifice is the requirement of the gospel. Now we will be able to summarize who then is faithful and wise servant. The faithful and wise servant apparently who are ready for the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are those helping while waiting. Helping, you know, those who are the least, the lost, and the last in our societies. Those who cannot help themselves. Those who are merely getting by in their lives. We, as those who are waiting for the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, must help them. There was this a painting of turtle in the wall of one of the CEO, big business CEO. And every time... People will enter his office. They will see the painting of the turtle on top of the fence. And they will ask, hey, what's this all about? <laughs> turtle on top of this pole. And the CEO will, will reply, you know, this is to remind me. I never get here on my own. Someone has placed the turtle there. The poor thing could not climb the pole, right? We are here for a reason. You are blessed by the Lord for a reason. You have extra pants, you have extra pair of clothes, you have lots of bags, you have lots of shoes, you have enough rice and chicken rice, you have enough noodles to get by for a lifetime, but you are not here because we did it on our own. Someone else has placed us here in such a time as this, in such a COVID time as this, you are placed in this very season while waiting for the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for a purpose and for a reason. Are we fulfilling that purpose? Well, let's now contrast it in the last two minutes. There are two kinds of servants. Apparently, not only the good we will be seeing from the narratives, but also the bad Adventists. Those who are also waiting, but withholding while waiting, beating his fellow servants, eating and drinking, as if just the concern is just himself. Let's go for some more holiday. I'm so stressed. I'm so anxious. Let's buy some bag. I'm so hungry, you know. This is COVID. is affecting us. I may, and I need to go more shopping. This kind of servant is withholding while waiting. Just concern of his own and of himself alone. In the case of the ten virgins, while the other five was shining while waiting, the other five was dimming while waiting. There's no light on them. They are mute. They don't want to speak about the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. But there is hope despite of the COVID. There is hope despite pandemic that there is Jesus who is soon coming that will save us all and bring us to eternal home. Apparently, those who are foolish and unwise are muted and darkened. You can't see any light from them while waiting for Jesus. Apparently, the foolish one who were entrusted one talent, who buried this treasure, 
can be described as the one who was hiding while waiting. Is he there yet? This is there yet? Okay, go back to the shelf. There yet? Not yet. Okay, go back to the shelf. My dear brothers and sisters, this describes you and me. One of us is shouting while the other one is hiding. One of us are courageous. One of us are embarrassed of the message that we bear. We say, yeah, there are too many restrictions about our church. No, because we want to pose not the restrictions, but the liberty that they can find in Jesus, that we have found in Jesus. Some are hiding while waiting, while some are shouting and working. Some are helping, while some are close one eye, according to Singaporean. Just close one eye la, can't see la. They see someone who is naked, someone who is hungry. They still have some spare on their pocket and in their bank accounts. But the security, they want to keep for themselves. Maybe for the rainy season, Kiasola afraid to lose, uh, must have something for the rainy season. While we see the need amongst us and in our midst, we want to close our eyes. Inhibiting while waiting. And you will see that only when you are able to give and sacrificially give to those who are in need, will you find the joy and the peace and the happiness that your insurances and your savings cannot give you. And so let's conclude. You know, three years ago, prior to COVID, I was invited to conduct an evangelistic meeting in Palau, beautiful island nation. You know, one-fourth of the population, Pastor James, are Filipinos. Used to be part of the Philippines during the time of the American uh, invasion and uh, was separated when uh, uh, Philippines was uh, liberalized by, by the America and uh, was you know, given the democratic uh, rule. And so I was there, and the king was basically an Adventist, the queen was an Adventist, the president right now is an Adventist, most of the senators are Adventists, so basically most of the nation's leader. One of the very beautiful places I have been, pristine and turquoise waters, you can see that very clear, uh, uh, so very beautiful. So I was there. On my first night, I stayed here. Used to be the house of the mission president and uh, the leader of the Palau mission. And uh, this is my host, Pastor. Uh, uh, this is Pastor Mar Laurin from the Central Philippines. And uh, I was there. And this is our first evening I've taken photo. And he, he said, uh, Egan, before we go to bed, can I share a story to you? I said, by all means. He said, you know, in th this house used to be occupied by another pastor, and this has not been occupied for almost like uh, 15 years. And we have been here for a few months only. And uh, you know what happened here is this. Back in 2004, the family who live here is Pastor Ro Roymar de Paiba with his two children. In the evening of 2004, a drug addict by the name of Justin uh, went inside the house, trying to find something that he can sell, trying to rob the, the place. In the middle of the night, Pastor Roymar de Paiba awakened uh, because of the noises on the living hall. He saw the invader, Justin. You know, he was drugged and high on drugs and uh, with the jungle bolo. He was surprised to see the pastor awoken and he hacked him in the middle of the living floor uh, the living hall to death. Because of the shouting and the commotion, the wife awoken. He w she went to the living hall, and in the living hall, he she saw uh, her husband being hacked to death. She tried to help, but to no avail, Justin now turned his attention to, to her, and she was also hacked to death in the living room. 
both the children in the second room, the common room, where I was sleeping, actually, on that evening, uh, are also awakened. They shouted, and Justin went inside the, the room and started hacking them as well. The elder boy uh, was killed on that room, but the younger lady was taken by Justin as hostage. Uh, in, in his mind, he will be raping uh, the, 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 the youngest uh, daughter when he goes out of the house. And that's what he did in his pickup truck. Only 12 years old, raped repeatedly. And she was finally choked and thrown into a cliff. Justin thinking that the little girl was dead because she, he choked the, the 12-year-old, uh, seemingly lifeless, and then he threw her into the cliff. By all amount of miracles, uh, this, this young lady you know, survived. This young lady survived. And uh, she managed to crawl uh, up from the cliff and go to the road. And you know, if you have been to Palau, there are not many cars right there. Only 20,000 people in one country. And by all amount of miracles again, early in the morning, there are some vehicle passing by and uh, without hitting her on the road, was managed to rescue her and she stayed in the ICU for about several weeks and she managed to survive. And this is, like I was thinking, hey, Pastor, why are you telling me this on my first night? Uh, don't want me to sleep, no? I'll be here for like one week. <laughs> How can I turn up the light now? Why now? Why not like on my last day? <laughs> but you know, I heard the story. And, you know, there was a huge funeral on the national stadium. Uh, this is Ruth de Paiva, flew over from Brazil to witness the funeral of her son, Pastor Roy Mar de Paiva. And she was hugging in the, in the last picture right there, the mother of Justin, the mother of the killer. And she declared, we are two mothers who lost our sons today. Let us forgive them. Let us forgive the son. And let us forgive the family. She calls for forgiveness throughout the nation. And there was like a long day of weeping and a long day of like reflection because of that heinous crime that has been conducted. Before I left, my host pastor, uh, uh, Laurine, told me, you know, the lady, the 12-year-old the girl that survived this is coming in a few weeks' time. And we were telling her, don't come. Why are you coming? She volunteered to become a missionary back to Palau. And the, the, the whole leadership of the Adventist said, don't come. You will remember your, your, your trauma here. You will remember the pain. This is the place you, you, you were brutally raped and your family was brutally murdered. Don't come. You go and remain as a, as a missionary in Brazil. But she said, I will come. And, you know, in this, in this uh, ministry magazine, the Adventist World magazine, uh, she's featured. This is now the, the, the lady. She said, uh, God help me to forgive. Dios me ajudo a perdoar. God help me to forgive. And now I'm ready to serve them again. My dear brothers and sisters, she went back and become a missionary and continued to serve the Lord despite of the pain and the tragedy that she has experienced. Reminds me that life will be unsafe everywhere. Only as the life hid with Christ in God is life safe. Now while the angels are holding the four winds, it is our opportunity to seek the Lord more earnestly. May we belong, despite of the pain, despite of the challenges and the embarrassment we may be going through in proclaiming and in serving the Lord in such a time as this, may we be one of those who will be called the faithful and the wise 
in the last days. May the Lord bless you.